Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and now Keller Williams real estate agent. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group's about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No sales from the front and no smell of stale coffee, Ben Gay, and or disappointment. You know what I'm talking about. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your entertainment and hopefully education. If you enjoy this podcast, it's a free podcast, man. Come on, help me out. Give it a like, share it across the internet, um, and rate it if you wouldn't mind. Um, If you appreciate it and you like it, if you're going to give me a shitty rating, maybe give me an opportunity by sending me a comment first to maybe improve. But if not, I understand. Um, I do want a little update. Six people have reviewed me on iTunes and they gave me five stars and I really appreciate that. Thank you to the people who took the time to do that. That that stuff really does help. If you have any comments or suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. Hit me up on Twitter and Snapchat at Jeremy Burgess. And yes, YouTube videos are now being edited. So in mere weeks, they will start to being uploaded two or three a week until we get caught up. And that's youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. I'm really happy about that. And I apologize for delaying getting that done. I very often start things before I'm ready. And that's how I kind of push myself uh, forward. So I apologize for those who are really waiting. And I, it did take like six, seven months. I apologize for that. Legal disclaimer, in no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. Be a fucking adult. Don't sue me. All right. Show quote of the week. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investors show quote. I try and pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast. And for the week, and I lifted this from your Facebook page, Seth, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't want to work hard. Anonymous. I tried to find the source on the internet and there were multiple sources, so Mm -hmm. we're going with anonymous. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't want to work hard. All right. Let me introduce you to my guest, Mr. Seth Anderson. And he left off his resume, by the way. That, uh, <laughs> that he was my first property scout back when Urban Detroit Wholesalers was still all gooey and wet. And mm-hmm. I think we hired you like a month or two, maybe three months after we, we started. Did you come to the Royal Oak office? The Royal Oak office is the first one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, before I moved to Detroit. Okay, yep. so. But, of course, he has since done a ton of shit. Seth is an artist, writer, and producer from Detroit, Michigan. Seth has had the privilege of working with Atlantic Records, Universal Motown, Word Warner, Dream Capital slash Capital Disney, Nickelodeon, NBC Network, NBC USA Network, ABC Family, Oxygen, the Grammys, the Emmys, Netflix, Ford, and MTV. Um, some of his accomplishments as an artist at Atlantic Records, bass player for the for Atlantic Records, keyboardist, Universal Motown. This goes on and on, folks. Touring keyboardist for Universal Motown and Universal Republic, writer. For Word Warner, co-wrote the song Disconnected for Dove Award nominated. Um, 
Word Warner artist Verit- Veridia. Veridia, yeah. Veridia. Yeah. So I'm, this is when you have somebody who doesn't listen to music <laughs> trying to read shit, you know. <laughs> Writer, producer. Here's a better one. Uh, USA Network produced and co wrote the theme song for Covert Affairs. That was a big thing, right? Yeah. NBC, uh-huh. USA Network was pretty cool. Uh-huh. Writer, producer, uh, NBC produced and co wrote Perfect Match for the NBC ad campaign for A through Z October 2014. Producer, songwriter, ABC Family, uh, produced and co-wrote Start a Riot for ABC Family, Freeform. Performer, uh, Grammy, kicked off Grammy Week by performing in downtown Los Angeles while being live-streamed to the world. Co-founder and studio director at Assemble Sound in Corktown, Detroit, which meets in a historic church built in 1871. And I want to congratulate you, too, by the way. Because you won the Motor City match, you and your team, right? Obviously, yep. you guys are a team. $100,000. Yep. And that was just last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, they just a couple days ago. They announced it uh, literally on Monday. Monday night, they announced it. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you're also the reci- uh, recipient of the, was it the Cressage? Kresge. Kresge. Yeah. $50,000 grant. Yes. Some awards, Detroit Music Awards, uh, production of three Detroit award nominees, best hip hop album. I'm never going to get that right. What is that? Pasalacqua. Pasalacqua. Yep. Best rock band, Flint Eastwood, which is even for me pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> best music video, Baptism, Dove Awards, songwriter credit for the best new artist nominee, Viridia. Mm-hmm. Uh, 89X Homie Awards, album of the year, small victories, best live show, Flint Eastwood. Definitely go check them out. Seth at assemblesound.com. That's assemblesound.com. Check out the website. Hit him up on Twitter at assemblesound and also on facebook.com forward slash assemblesound. He's also married, beautiful wife, and a son named General, which I just think is awesome. He was telling me earlier before the podcast, apparently that's a family name. Yeah. yeah. So that was your. It was my great grand. Uh, great. Yeah, my great grandfather's uh, first name. Man, that's an awesome name. Yeah, General. he's he's from down in the sticks of Mississippi. So they, there's all kinds of fun names deep on in, that side. Deep in the woods. Deep in the woods. Yeah, uh, yeah. With deep the, the critters woods. and the skeeters and all that. Everything so. you can imagine. So last time, I, I was supposed to go to Detroit Soup, and mm-hmm. that was at your church building, yeah. whatever. And unfortunately, I was not able to make it, and mm-hmm. Gina did. So this is literally the first time I've sat down with you since you – Left and that was in 2011. Is that when it was? Long time ago. That's ten. It might have been ten. Yeah, something like that. I think yeah, you worked yeah, for like a was, year yeah. in a bit. Yep. Yep. Right around there. Yeah. So back then, Seth was still an artist, but he needed a square job, money, yes. and he what he would do as he would drive. And this is back when Detroit was shit too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, man, what was, was I thinking with that one? We were a little worried about you. And it was <laughs> like, nah, he'll be should fine. Have been. He should have been worried. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're pretty young and this is the foreclosure crisis. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we would send you out to look at dozens of homes yeah, a day, a day. Yeah. And you take tons of pictures, all abandoned video, mostly abandoned. Yeah. All some by yourself. Them, some of them had squatters in it and that was a Kind of fun. Yeah, that was always interesting. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and you'd come back to the office and all that. Yep. But the whole time you were working on your music, right? Yes. Music yeah. music was always gonna be your life, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, I I, I have two passions because I do have a passion for real estate as well. And that's that's one of the reasons why I took that job. Uh you know, music is my number one, but my number two is definitely real estate. And so what I, what I'm kind of excited about this venture I'm doing now is it 
in a way marries the two of the the real estate side and uh, also the music side. But that's awesome. So tell me, how did you buy this? Did you guys own the building you're in? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. What What is that story? I know we're. I'm going to bounce all around too because no. I'm excited. No, so. it's good. It's good. Um. Well, uh, the, my, this, my partner Garrett Kohler and I we sat down probably. I want to say probably two years ago with just this idea of, you know, putting a collaborative studio in the city of Detroit. And uh, like right away, well, the first day we even just started discussing, well, what do we want to do? Do we want to rent a building? Want to buy a building? What is this building like? You know, do we want to do it in a house? Do you know, we just want to get a cheap house and renovate the whole house into a bunch of studios. And within the first day, we're like, no, this has got to be a church. I mean, there's so many beautiful churches around the city that are sitting empty and just the architecture is just incredible. And of course, you know, these old buildings, they were built for acoustics because they didn't have PAs back in the day. So literally every church, you know, that's built in the 1800s and early 1900s sounds incredible because they didn't have PAs. I didn't even know that, but it yeah, makes so, sense, right? So, yeah. So if you're standing on stage, you know, talking, it has to, the, the you know, your voice has to carry through the building. So they literally built the rooms with that in mind. And so, so the very first day we're like, well, this has got to be in a church because Detroit's one of the only cities in the country where you can go and buy a historic church and turn it into a studio. Actually, you could probably buy more than one if you wanted yes, to, right? Yes, with, with, <laughs> with literally no budget because yeah. we, we started literally with no budget. Um, and so what we did was we, we drove around the city and you know we had our Excel spreadsheet, and we just looked at all of the abandoned churches that we could find, and we had categories of you know we 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 put down the church name, and then we put down like you know good, great, dream, poor, if it was vacant or not vacant. I like it. There's a process. Yeah, there's a process. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, and so we went through all of them, um, and at the time uh, I had my I had access to MLS, so I was able to get a hold of the owners. Uh, all so owner, public records, public records, yeah, all of it. Yeah. And so reverse prospecting. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so we, we literally drove around, made a list of about probably 20 to 30 churches, uh, looked up the owners and hand wrote letters to all of them. Uh, we had one property that was the dream property, which is the building that we're in today. Sweet. Yes. It was literally on the top. It was literally the first bar on, uh, on our spreadsheet and it was the only one labeled as dream. And they were the only ones who contacted back. Really? Yeah. And it was, it's a, the, it's a retired pastor down in Florida who owned the building. Uh, and the church has been empty for about four to five years. And so he was just like, Hey, you know, I got your letter. This, this, uh, this seems interesting. Um, and so, you know, we went and looked at it. Uh, it, it was, it was in really rough shape. Like, uh, when it would rain, it was, like waterfalls inside, you could see outside through the roof. That's not good. We replaced all the plumbing in the building. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, no one surprisingly, no one necessarily stripped all the copper out, but it sat empty for so long with water in the pipes that we had to replace it all anyways because it was just it went about a foot and a half, and then it was like sprinklers going off when we turned the water on. In the yeah, building. it was like, eh, nope, not gonna happen. So we, where was I? I lost my train of thought there. No, so you're talking to you went go look at the building needs a shit ton of work, shit right? ton of work, and so cool. So we we talked to the pastor. Uh, his daughter showed us around because his daughter still lives here. He, he's still down in Florida at the time, and we're like, "Hey, man, are you interested in selling?" And he was like, "Well, yeah, I'm interested in that." And I'm like, "Okay, well, are you interested in financing that sale because we don't have any money?" And he was like, well, yeah, in fact, I am. We're like, well, that's incredible because we can do it that way. We can do it that way. <laughs> that way we can work. A little creative real estate. <laughs> yep. And so, uh, you know, we literally just 
just you know kept in touch with them. And about probably two months later was when we got done with all the final paperwork and uh, it's a land contract buy. And uh, yeah, it's good to go. I mean, a crazy thing, and, and you know, I, uh, hats off to the pastor, really good guy. Um, while we were purchasing the building, word got out that we were buying it because it's in such a hot location right now. And he said he literally had cash offers double of what we had offered him. And he was turning them down. And we're like, you know, once we signed the papers, dude, like, how did word get out? I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. Cause we were trying to keep it so yeah. quiet. Keep but, your horror mouth shut, people. Come yes, on. Yes. A deal like that. Corktown. Yeah. And so we were trying to keep it as quiet as possible, but you know, people were excited about it. Operational security folks. Yep. Loose yep. lips sink ships. Come on. Yep. And so, you know, after we closed the deal, we're like, well, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you take that, the cash? You know, I would have taken the cash that's two times higher. And he, he said, which was really cool. He said, you know, I'm a prophet. I'm not for profit. And I was like, whoa, deep. Wow. Crazy. But it, it was really cool because he was like, you know, I know I believe in the vision of what you guys want to do with the building. And everyone else who approached me wanted to turn it into like lofts and into restaurants and just redo everything. And so he said, you know, I'm buying into your vision. More so than making money you, on it. You sold the, yes. you sold the dream at the, the dream, end. And he bought absolutely. into the whole thing. Absolutely. The dream was, was the very first thing before we even talked about buying the building. We explained, this is what we're trying to do. And he was like, yeah, I'm on board. How can Dude, I help? Dude, that's awesome. So you yeah. led with the dream. Like, absolutely. Before you even talked price, yes. anything. Before we even like, talked about buying here's it. Here's what I want to do. Yeah. Even, even in the, the letter that we sent out, we said, listen, you know, we're, we're not trying to, to flip a property. We're not trying to, you know, pull this into, you know, a super luxury type type situation this is literally going to be a residency for artists who have no money we have no money but we we believe it's going to be really 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 positive for the whole city that's Damn. the first thing we led with because i mean that's 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 what we're building on really can i take credit for all that for that year <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. dude that's some selling right there yeah. you sold the shit out of yourself right there mm-hmm. So you you got him to buy into your dream, and that just inoculated him against everybody else. Yes, because they didn't they, they, he didn't buy into their dreams. Right. He bought into your guys's dreams. Right, and, and a lot of that credit is to Garrett, my partner. He's really good at communicating the vision. Really good with that sort of thing. Yeah, if you're gonna have a partner, they should be they should bring shit you don't have to the table. Totally, I'll totally. never do that again. Totally, they'll they'll bring stuff to the table. So now I'm gonna go backwards in time okay. because that was one of the cool things when I when I met you. You're young. Mm-hmm. Um, less beard for sure, mm-hmm. right? More stocking cap, but you'd already had um, like a CD. I don't want to call you a one hit wonder, mm-hmm. but you'd had a CD and it'd come out. And I, I have the CD at home and all that. Yeah. At, I can't remember <laughs> for the life of me though. I couldn't find it though. Yeah. <laughs> so let let's start back in the beginning because okay. music is obviously a huge part of your life, yeah. and you kind of married mm-hmm. it with real estate now. But mm-hmm. how did that? How did that? How did you get your start? Well, you know, growing up, I'll start, I'll start all the way back there. Growing up, uh, my parents, well, I come from, my dad has 10 brothers and sisters. Damn. And they did the whole like Baptist gospel, super unhealthy for kids type situation. Okay. But, but they all sang, you know, he had 10 brothers and sisters that all sang. And so I kind of was surrounded by music growing up. And, uh, my parents really believed in not having cable simply for the fact, not to shelter us so much, but more so, so that it would force us to get creative with the way we spend our time rather than just sit there looking at a TV. I might agree with that actually. Yeah. And so I, I mean, it was really cool. I mean, I have a really nice TV now because I'm like, well, I never had it growing <laughs> up, but I want it now. But, um, but yeah, so, so literally 
I was, we, we always had instruments laying around the house. So we were forced out of boredom to play an instrument because there's literally nothing else to do. I mean, you go outside and play, but winters get cold. Yeah. And when you have nothing to do inside the house but play instruments, you play instruments. Uh, and so that, that's kind of where I started with uh, the whole music thing. But when I was in high school, um, I was in a band with uh, one of my cousins. And our senior year, we ended up picking up a record deal with Atlantic Records. That's what it was. Atlantic. Yeah, which, with, which at the time, it was right on the tail end of the demise of the music industry. So yeah. there was still money in it. And, you know, we still have, like, really cool stories of, like, you know, $2,000 dinners and, you know, all this fancy everything because they're trying to schmooze you. But it was like the Titanic. But, yeah, but it was, it was yeah, it was sinking fast. The band was playing as it went down. <laughs> yep. Hurry yep. up, eat your steak. Yep. <laughs> and so, and so literally uh, got the deal in high school. I'm kind of a quiet person. What so was the record in the band name, too? Uh, it was called uh, Love Arcade and it was just That's a self-titled right. album. But I'm kind of like a, a quiet, kind of quiet, I guess, person you know i don't really like to go out and say hey look at me you know i look at these things i'm doing uh so no one at my high school really even knew that i was even in a band or that i was on a major label as a senior it was just kind of just like that's a lot of wasted opportunity <laughs> so, looking back so much at least in the girl department you yeah know? so much uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I graduated and then uh with you know about five days after i graduated started tour- started touring with that uh went on a lot of national tours I uh, did that for about two and a half, three years. Um, after that, I believe, is whenever I started working for yeah, you. Yeah, because you were pretty fresh, and you yeah. come back, and mm-hmm. it didn't work out. You're going to do something else, and yeah. you kind of need a job in the meantime, yeah. if I remember, right? totally. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so we, we it was, you know, the restructuring of the company, because this was on the... the wait, 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 what was, your, what was your hit from Love Arcade? Um, Keep It Coming was probably our biggest one. Okay. Um, it, it, it did okay here. It the, it did the best in the Detroit market, obviously, because we were from here. It got a good amount of radio play, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, listen back to it now. I mean, it sounds very much like I was in high school. Amazing how that works, huh? <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> much in high school with that album. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and so yeah, it came. It was on the tail end, and they were restructuring the company, and we got dropped when we were we were in Los Angeles, living at the time on their dime in like a fully furnished type situation. And they dropped us, and they're like, "Yeah, and you got to be out in the morning, and you got to pay for your own, you know, plane ticket home." Oh wow, that's it was like it that? was literally like that's cold. Hey, yeah, it was literally like, "Hey, you're dropped. That's that." Hey, and, we like you, and now we don't. Yeah, and and you know, I was broke. Surprisingly, uh, I was broke at the time, so literally, you know, I had to do what I can to get home, and so I stayed in a hostel for you know probably three days, five days, something like that. And there was a casino across the street, and my genius, you know. 21-year-old 20, self <laughs> went across the street and, and was like, you know what? I'm going to double my money and I'm going to get me a plane ticket home. You know, I'm in a hostel. I'm going to make this work. And went and played poker and lost it all, which was really smart. So, uh, so then so then that's when the phone comes out. I was like, Dad, you know. Sorry about that. So I'm kind of out of money and I'm in a hostel in Los Angeles. Uh, I kind of need to get home. So you want to help me out? Please. Please. Yeah. And so that's when I came home and that's when I immediately started looking for work. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you worked for us, I think it was like a year or a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you do afterwards? Um, after, well, while I was working for you, I got a really big placement. It was the theme song placement. Um, I was on a USA Network show and it was a good chunk of money. Dude, that's catchy as fuck too. 
Oh, yeah. Thank you. I'm yeah, not going to do it because uh, I don't want to get – I'll put the link, YouTube links, all that stuff, mm-hmm. iTunes links. I'll put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. I don't want my shit getting pulled, but it is catchy. And what was the name of the show again, though? Uh, Covert Affairs. Is Covert what Affairs. Called. Yeah. I have it going in my head because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like a Beatles song. It's catchy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt. Keep but no, yeah, while I was working for you, we got that placement, and that was, that was a $25,000 payout. And so – I took that money and, well, rather than investing it, which, like like you said, we'll talk about yeah. what would you do different going back. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, rather than investing, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Los Angeles. I'm going to live for a year. And so that's what I did. I uh, went to Los Angeles, lived for a year, did a lot of writing, uh, a lot of production work out there. That's an investment in yourself, though, potentially. It is. It yeah. is. It is. And, it, and I'm glad I did it. Um, you know, I was able to pick up management. Um, we got a bunch of label attention. My sister and I went out there together. Uh, I do a lot of writing with her. Uh, so yeah, we, 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 all the goals that, that we had going out, we accomplished. Um, then I came back home after a year because I was living in a bachelor unit. Have you ever heard of a bachelor unit? No. So a bachelor unit is a studio unit without a kitchen. Damn. So it's literally a room and a bathroom. Yeah. A bed and a shower. Yep. And, and a that's it. And so I, I was living <laughs> in that and it was seven fifty a month for that. Damn. And I was I was splitting it with my sister. We had a bunk beds and one teeny tiny IKEA desk and that's all we could fit. And then a hot plate like in the bathroom that we would cook on. That's hardcore right there. Yeah. You wanted it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why well that's a major reason why I was like, "Oh, okay. That's how you live on 25 grand for a year though." <laughs> Two people lived on 25? Yep. Damn, you're living cheap. Yes. Yeah. yeah Los yeah. Angeles, that's not easy. No, it's not. And that's why we moved back. We're like, "Okay, we're we're hemorrhaging money pretty quick. So let's uh Let's go out there. Let's figure out what we need to do. Let's try to get this attention. Let's try to get our team set up, and then we'll move back to Detroit. So you had goals. You had oh, yeah, like, absolutely. You networking goals, absolutely, management yeah. goals, yep. songwriting mm-hmm. experience. Okay. Yeah, so our, our main two goals were to get label attention and to get management. Those were our two major things. And we were able to accomplish both. Um, I wish we would have made better decisions with it, but we were able to accomplish both. Yeah. Yeah. That's a funny thing about the longer you live, the better the decisions you make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> You've been around for all of it. I'm like, I think of some of the shit I've done. I'm like, wow, that was really stupid. I really could have done a much better job. But yeah. until you know, you don't know. Until you know. So yeah. the problem is what you don't know could be expensive sometimes. Yep. So you came back and then what? So we came back trying to think of how long ago this was i think it was maybe three years ago three or four years ago and so we came back and that's whenever i I really started focusing on uh like music licensing so writing music for television commercials trailers that type of stuff because i saw how much money can be made off one placement yeah um so that was like you're adapting like okay probably not going to sell a shit ton of albums but The music people industry, still need music. Yes, the music industry is 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 definitely different now. It's it's starting to get better with this whole streaming thing. Um, I was really negative about it before, uh, as far as like making money on streaming over album sales. But now it's it's starting to look more positive, and there's ways to generate income from from music. But one thing that's always been consistent is the placements, is the licensing. Uh, there's they still pay a lot of money. Ad agencies still pay a lot of money for music. Well, yeah. If yeah. If, if they can turn a sound yeah. into a, tying it with a show or anything, mm-hmm. that shit works, right? Major, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, Adam's family. Yeah, I mean, oh, absolutely. Stupid things, oh, yeah, right? Totally. I mean, but it it absolutely does work. Totally. 
What about, have you done any jingles or anything like that for like commercials or if it's just all been more like TV shows and that kind of thing? Um, well, we've done, uh, just recently I, I did a, a Ford spot, uh, where it was, it was kind of based around, uh, like, I guess like the, the concept was, uh, like a college football entrance, essentially like super hyped and the car's coming out with the team. And so they wanted something that was almost marching band, but at the same same time had balls and was like, oh yeah, this you know this car is something else. Um, and so I, just recently I worked on something like that where they literally said, hey, this is the direction we want you to go. Can you give us something like this? And they ended up liking it and using it, but it was a it was a little bit different of a process than just you know building up my catalog and saying, hey, here's songs that sound like something you would want. It was more so, hey, we want specifically this. Can you do it? Okay. More pressure, but it was it was good. All right. Yeah. And obviously the stuff pays pretty well, right? Yeah. 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 What at some point though, I you're doing stuff. I remember you're doing stuff with your cousin mm-hmm. and then you're doing stuff with your sister. Was your sister doing stuff with your cousin too? Um no, it, it was it was just uh my Yeah, explain that. And From the outside looking in, for somebody who doesn't know the music industry yeah. it could be confusing, right? Yeah, so so originally I was I, I was working with my cousin, um his name's Christian. Uh we were in a band together that got the Atlantic deal and then he got another deal with um Universal Motown and this was after his Atlantic deal with a whole different persona. He went by Christian TV. Um that didn't pan out, didn't do so well. Universal Motown closed down. Because the whole industry is taking yeah. a nosedive. Uh, so whenever that happened, he switched over to Universal Republic. And he asked to get dropped because it was, wasn't working. It was a whole different team. Uh, and from there, he's been doing his own independent stuff. And he goes under the moniker Jameson. That's right, Jameson. Which is, he's doing really well. He does R&B, which is really funny. It is funny. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting <laughs> to see. But he does R&B now. And I'm not involved in that project at all. He lives in Los Angeles and he's doing that. But whenever I kind of transitioned from working with him, I transitioned over to working with my sister. And from there, she's done a lot of the licensing stuff with me. Um, and she is the, uh, she has a band called Flint Eastwood. Um, and I kind of stay behind the scenes for that. Uh, I just, I do production and songwriting and she kind of is the face. And well, I mean, you know, she writes it with me, obviously. It's a very collaborative thing, but she's just kind of the one who's out there in the front and is pushing it and touring and, all that kind of stuff. Dude, she's amazing. Yeah, she's great. I'm an old guy and I like that shit. Yeah, yeah, she, so. she's she's really, really good. I, I mean, I, honestly, I have just been fortunate to work, I mean, to surround myself with people that are better than me, honestly. And I've just been very, very lucky in that sort of sense to kind of just learn and collaborate and figure things out. Somewhere along the line, too, you met your wife, got married, and had a kid. Somewhere. How'd you manage to do all that at the same time? That's a really good question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I knew, uh, I met my wife, well, it's been eight years since we were, like, dating and then slash getting married. I think it's been four years now we've been married, I think. But uh, I was dating her whenever I was um, working for you. Okay, so yeah. I didn't realize it went that far back. Okay, yeah, yeah. You probably told me, and I was—I didn't—I had no idea. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I think you only met her once. We had—I remember we had a bowling outing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was her. Back so in, that, back in the day. So you worked through at least uh, when was that? That was two thousand nine, the end of two thousand nine. Yeah. So okay, yeah. that's what I thought. Somewhere in two thousand ten is when I think you left. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that because that was for I can't remember what trade, but I was out in 
I think it was New Baltimore bowling alley or whatever. I Something like I that. Got, I got wrangled into it for some charity thing, whatever. <laughs> I ended up buying a bunch of bowling tickets. Like, we're going bowling. It's <laughs> like bowling and pizza, and that mm-hmm. was fun. So this somehow led up to your current endeavor, though, because apparently you yes. don't like to have any free time. Right? No, I really don't. Yeah. I, I get I actually get depressed if I'm not kind of striving for something. Um, yeah, bad times. But that that was like a solid year of my life after I moved back from Los Angeles. Um, things slowed down quite a bit. Uh, it, a big thing of what it was, which is something that's kind of the staple of what Assemble Sound is, the thing that I'm working on now, a big reason why it kind of fell off and got a little depressed in that moment was because when I was living in Los Angeles, you know, I was doing, you know, five to ten sessions a week with other songwriters, other producers, you know, artists, musicians, because uh, that's the culture out there. You just work and everybody, you know, works together and collaborates and builds and grows. Uh, and when I moved back to Detroit, there was nothing. Like I tried really hard to set up, you know, sessions with different people just to collaborate, work on songs together, you know, work on licensing pitches, anything. And there was nothing. Mm. It was the, the, the whole entire music landscape of the city was so scattered that I, I couldn't find a place anywhere. You know, I, I couldn't find my home like, oh, this is my niche. OK, this is my people. There was nothing. And so literally, you know, I just moseyed around. I did electrical work for about a year. That was terrible. Have you ever had to do electrical work? Yeah, it's not fun. Oh, going up in on summer days in attics with fiberglass up to your knees. Miserable. Fuck trying that to, shit. Yeah. yeah, trying to find a little teeny tiny hole in the studs. Miserable. So I did that for a year. <laughs> that that didn't help. Uh, make you motivated. Make you hungry, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'm go back and write the fuck out of this yes, song. Yes, absolutely. Well, and so from from kind of that that part of my life, I was like, okay, well, I love living in Detroit. You know, my family's here. My wife's family's here. I don't want to move to Nashville or any other major music city, but I want to do music for a living. So something's got to change. Motown. How did it end up like this? I don't know. Fucking Motown. Yeah, I don't know. It started here. Yes. Apparently, it's not going to end here. (laughs) It ended a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't know where the disconnect was, but but essentially, it was just like, okay, so if it's not here, I got to build it. So you saw an opportunity. You're like, okay. Saw an opportunity, got to build it. Let's do this. And so that's whenever uh, I met my my, my, uh, business partner, Garrett, uh, he threw a show in a warehouse that was like done extremely well. And most events that I would go to in Detroit were kind of like 70%, 80% there. Like, okay, this is cool. But he threw a show and I was like, whoa, I feel like I'm in Los Angeles again. This feels incredible. And so literally I was like, let's meet up after this. You know, I'd love to talk to you about kind of what you're doing. And at the time, he, uh, he, was, he, was, one, he was one of the people behind the X Games pitch Whenever Detroit was trying to get X Games ah, to come to Detroit, I remember that. Yeah, because yeah. TEDx did a big thing. We we're trying to. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. That was, a first, was that the first year? Te- I think that was the first year TEDx was. And they did a they did a thing on yeah. the stage. Yeah. yeah. It was him uh, and I, I believe two other partners that, and they were the three person team that almost won the whole bid and almost got it done. Got really close. Yeah. And it might actually come here in the, when they cut Austin short. He's been getting all kinds of emails and stuff about that, but. But yeah, and so, I met him there, and I was like, listen. You're good at gathering people. You're good at telling a vision. You know, you're good at explaining a story. I know how to do the music side of things. I can run a studio. You know, I've done all these collaborative things. What the city is missing is collaboration. That is what made Motown Motown. They would literally all day, every day, go in the studio and work yeah. together. You know, five, ten people on one track. And that was normal. To where now it's just 
one person in their bedroom trying to make it work. Yeah. And so it's like, listen, there's, there's an opportunity here. Let's try to build this infrastructure where artists can come together and collaborate and grow and learn together so that whenever you have a Kid Rock or an Eminem or you know, a Big Sean or a Jack White and they shoot to the moon, they don't shoot to the moon on their own. They shoot to the moon with the whole city so that all of the artists grow together and everyone kind of has a hand in it, you know, financially and not financially. Everyone is growing together rather than just a couple rockets that just shoot off. Like Motown. I mean, yeah. we're taking a lot from Motown. I mean, if it worked then, it can work again. Well, it works in LA, works in Nashville. Works everywhere. Works. It works in every major music city, and I really want it to work here. So that is kind of what birthed Assemble Sound. What year was that? Do you remember? This was two years ago. Okay. Are you talking like whenever we had this meeting? Yeah, we yeah, had yeah. this meeting. Yeah, so it, it, was, it was two years ago, and we planned about a year. A lot of planning went into it. Um, and then we bought the building uh, a little over a year ago. So we've been in the building for a year now. Uh, we still technically haven't launched publicly, um, but we plan on doing it within the next two months. And there's been a lot of uh, planning that goes into that as well. Well, yeah, and you guys just won the Motor City match. Yeah. Explain that. Yeah, so we, um, we've actually, we, it's, the, it's the third season that they've been doing the Motor City match, and we've applied to all of them. And so we thought, well, you know, we're not going to get it again because we didn't get it the first two times. Uh, and then out of the blue, surprisingly, we saw that we, we won. We saw this about two weeks ago. They just sent an email like, hey, congratulations, you know, you won the $100,000 grant level. We're like, whoa. Explain right? what Motor City Match is for, for people who are listening, because about 30% of our listeners are out mm-hmm. of state and out of country. Mm-hmm. So. Motor City Match, it's, it's a, uh, the, the Duggan administration sponsors it. I believe it's through the DEGC. Yeah. Um, and essentially, it's just a bunch of money that they're awarding to small businesses uh, to kind of help. It's more so to help get funding, more so than to help them grow. So whenever you know we reach out to lenders saying, "Hey, we have this one hundred thousand dollar grant. Can we have a hundred thousand dollar loan?" They'll say, "Well, yeah, obviously, because you can just pay us back with the grant." That type of situation. So it's more so to help small businesses really get the funding they need in the city. And they only give you half of yes. what you need, right? right? So the idea is, we'll get you halfway there, yep. kind of like a little jump start. It's a jump you, start. You got to get the rest, or you get nothing, right? Or you get nothing if you don't yeah. match it. Like, like if you don't match it with either funding or private investments or anything like that, you get nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And how long do you have to match it? That I don't know, which is kind of scary. Yeah. Not very, I was talking to Amanda cause she won too. Yeah. So not very long. I don't think. Oh God. Don't yeah. tell me that. Cause we have, we have a, we have another, <laughs> we have another grant, the, the Kresge grant. Um, it's an arts grant that we had won, but it's the same type of situation where you have to match it. And so we, we received that grant probably, uh, I want to say probably four to six months ago but we still haven't raised the funding to match it. So we still haven't cashed in on it. You better hurry up, man. We, yeah. Send me the links. I'll put it in the show notes. Maybe people are listening. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you have set up or mm-hmm. whatever, but whatever you have set up for investors or, yeah. I don't know, are you crowdsourcing it? Well, we are, we are currently looking for, uh, we want to bring in about three investors to the team. There you go. Uh, we have one on board. We have another one that has verbally committed. We're waiting for the third before they're all on board together. So, so we're looking for private funding from, yeah. yeah, you're gonna need so you, you probably need like a hundred and I don't know hundred plus, right? Yep, yeah. right around there. Yeah, yeah. And you take more, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 
more is better. <laughs> yeah. Send me all that stuff and I will put the links in the show notes. So cool. congratulations on that. Yeah. Don't sleep on that. That's a lot of money. So yes. what, what do you, what are you guys going to do with all that money? I mean, I know it needs a lot, lots of work, right? So yeah, well, we, there's a lot of like building renovations that we need to do. And so a lot of it's going just into the building more so than because because we're we're functioning right now fine uh, just kind of the way we're structured but you know our building is kind of crumbling uh, we just just this week we have to replace the sewage line going out to the city sewers ooh that's not going to be cheap not going to be cheap at all and our whole backyard is cement. So it's going to be a lot, and we got to go. I hate cement; that's so expensive. You got to dig it up, then you got to put it, it back. Oh, Ugh. it's yeah, it's going to be rough. And so things like that is really what this this grant is going to be. Kind of, it's it's just keeping the doors open so that artists can continue to work. What does the business, the assemble business model, look like? Right, because I know it's all mm-hmm. kumbaya and shit, and we're all yep. working together. But yep. everybody's got to make money for right. it to work, right? Right. So I mean, it, it's whatever a, you don't feel comfortable telling, don't tell. No, it's but fine. okay, yeah. Uh, it's it, it's a little it's a little little confusing, but uh, essentially we have a forward facing end that the consumers see, which is, uh, you know, it's a collaborative studio. We have four studios in the building. Uh, that are completely free to residents that want to use them. Uh, to cl- but you have to collaborate. Like we have different rules built in where if, if you're working alone in a studio, you got to pay. I love it. If you're working with an artist, totally free. Yeah. Go for it. Please do it. And so we have that whole whole wing which brings in no money. And so the question is, how do we keep that alive? And you know, do we want to go and try to get grants every year? No, that's that's it's a pain in the ass, you know. And so. So we have a whole nother wing where we brought on a third partner in our business. Uh, her name's Nicole Churchill. She worked uh, for Sony licensing for eight years in Los Angeles and just moved back. And so as soon as she came back, we're like, yeah, we're scooping her up like as fast yeah, as possible. Yeah, you just took that talent, right? Like, yeah, it's like, uh, th- nope. Yep. Whatever you want, you got it. Come yes. over here. And so she's our, she's our third <laughs> equal partner. And um, she runs a licensing wing. So she runs, I guess, the side that... She pays all the bills and pays for everyone, really, which is great. She's incredible. Uh, but she, yeah, she's in charge of the licensing and you know generating money in that sense. So she's the connecting point to the auto industry, to the ad companies. And she's oh, yeah, curr- she came with all those contacts. Yeah, and, knowledge, and so right? and so she's yeah. currently. But right now we're currently building the biggest Detroit only catalog, like the catalog of songs from Detroit artists. So we have about eighty artists on board right now. And we've been organizing that, which has been a lot of fun. But at launch is when we're going to announce that we have like the biggest catalog of Detroit-based artists, you know, I guess in the country or the world, really. Perfect timing for it, too. Yes, absolutely. Because Detroit has just kind of been last couple of years rising to the yes, top, especially in the arts scene. It's been um, it's been getting a lot of national attention, and it's kind of like the cool thing to it do is. right now is piggyback kind of, on all of it, man. All of it, trying, yeah. trying every advantage you can get, yeah. take it. Trying. Because if it fails, you're going to get kicked in the teeth and thrown out on the streets anyway. You might as well take all the good shit, too. Yep. <laughs> yep. So that that's kind of, that's our main business approach right now is that. And, you know, we're also, we're starting to dive into uh, publishing. Like, just the last month, we were starting to figure out, you know, there's money in publishing deals and distribution. And there's a lot of different ways to make money in the music business. And we're starting to explore those as well as the licensing and the... 
Yeah, it seems kind of like maybe the podcasting business has set up a, a framework. Mm-hmm. You know, look at Star Talk Radio mm-hmm. and, and all the uh, Joe Rogan podcasts, all that. They'll make a shit ton of money from sound. Yeah. And it's not even music. Right. But I don't see why music couldn't use a lot of that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, link, like they get sponsorships, links. Yep. Um, more more is you get paid for what you do. Like go to like I know Joe Rogan has on it.com forward slash Joe. Um Jocko Willink does the same thing. So it'd be interesting to see. Um because I think that is the future of music, something like that, right? Because yeah, and, and in the day and age when people can steal all your shit yep. immediately it's and for some reason it doesn't bother anybody. Like <laughs> I, I think it's because it's not like Physical, it's not tangible. I think it's that's just why. Uh, you know, it's just digital. They look at they don't look at all the life you spent getting right. There. And you know what? I'm not bashing it too bad. I I did the Napster thing till I was like 23, and then I was like, wait a second, yeah, this I, is stealing. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm guilty of it as well. Uh, up until which is why I'm excited about streaming is because streaming is starting to eliminate the piracy thing as a whole because if you can get music for free why would you steal it exactly but it's not really free the artist is actually getting paid for it and i think there's no no cost to the customer generally no cost to the customer right yeah yeah just you gotta listen to maybe a commercial every now and every now and then yeah unless unless you do like a paid subscription service with you know spotify or which is awesome too Yeah. yeah that's what i do now rather than rather than just stealing all my music which i was doing totally guilty um it's just iTunes sense. makes that shit easier too. Yeah, I know not everybody likes iTunes, but that's what I use. I use Apple Music and iTunes. Yeah, for my streaming you just and go buying. Boop, and you're on everything. How easy is yeah. that, right? And now that Apple's not such a dick about transferring shit back and forth mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. I, I always that's why I waited so long to do that. Yeah, you're like, oh no, and you can only transfer. I'm like, what are you talking about? I can only transfer. What a shitty idea. Yeah, was it like three or four times, and you had to buy it again. And that's it. Yeah. yeah, talk about shooting yourself in the foot. You're it's not like getting renting any sales it. now. Um, although it's still hard out there. So I know some of the bigger bands too, how they make their money is yeah. they just tour like crazy. Like there's they're so, on the road. There's so much money to be made in touring. Yeah. Like so much. That's like crazy. all the money. You don't get That's shit for the radio. Yeah. Right. You Nothing make everybody else rich. Yep. And then you tour and you mop tour. up, sell the shit out of shirts and yep. yeah, whatever else. And yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. But that who wants to spend eight months out of the year on the road, right? Right, right. Well, and, you know, one thing that's really cool about where the music industry is at, because it's been such a nosedive and with the new introduction of streaming, is that for the first time in in history, really, the artist is in has the upper hand over the labels. Oh, yeah, complete control. Complete control. Technology like you, just yes, took them right out. You don't need a label anymore, and that's great, because before, like, the, the major label deals, they would own, you know, roughly 80 to 90% of your songs and you get 10%, they take 90%. And so that's why you hear a lot of like, you know, make a lot of other people a lot of money and then you just tour and you make your money. Now you can make your money off your own music as well as touring and you don't have to have a label anymore. It's it's obsolete. You don't need them. And that's a big reason why the industry has gone down because artists are like, wait a second, I'm going to put in all this work. You're going to take 90% of it, and in return, you're going to give me like $10,000, and I'm going to be broke for the next two to three years? No. No, that's yeah. not going to happen. No, it's not going to work. Yeah, they used to reward – it was better when they used to reward the top performers, but mm-hmm. now the top performers don't even really get rewarded like that anymore. When nope. nobody wins, you're going right. to lose everybody, right? Lose everybody, yep. Yeah, because a lot of people will not make a lot of money for lots of years to make big money at the end. But mm-hmm. if there's no big money, I ain't sticking around. Right, exactly. Which is awesome for you guys. Mm-hmm. Creates uh, 
all sorts of disruption. Mm-hmm. Lots of ways. It'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out in the future. I foresee something like this, and we're kind of seeing it now with movies yeah, and TV, right? Mm-hmm. Like with Netflix yeah. and Hulu and all those different ones too. NBC, ABC, all those people. Everybody better be paying attention to what's happening because you're going to get chomped up by smaller and smaller fish until there's nothing yep. left. Totally. Which is awesome. Yes. For the people listening. Mm-hmm. What were you've had lots of lots of hits um, and sold lots of music, mm-hmm. right? What were some of your more popular stuff? And then I'll make sure to include iTunes, all that shit, in mm-hmm. the show notes too, eventually. So yeah, well, I mean, I would say honestly, the, like most popular right now that I'm I'm really focusing a lot of my energy on is the Flint Eastwood stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it's really starting to, I mean, it, it has a lot of local attention, but it's really starting to get a lot of national attention as well. Uh, and we just released an album or an EP at the end of November. And so we're kind of riding off those waves right now. Um, growing it, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of work. People think, you know, you just, you record yeah. your album, you put it out and Hey, congratulations. The world loves it, but there's a lot of noise in the world. And so how do you cut through that noise? It's something that we're, really trying hard to figure out without a label as well. Um, and so that's what I've really been focusing on lately is the, the Flint Eastwood stuff. Yeah. And what would you, how would you describe that? Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's pop music. Uh, I, I call it disguised pop. It's like pop songs, like disguised in like artsy lyrics, I guess you could say, uh, or, or indie. It's like kind of like indie pop. But mostly when you get to the chorus, pop music. I've just always enjoyed pop music. I would say it was maybe electronic. Yes, as well, electronic. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. You're talking to some old guy. No, no, that totally I listen to hardcore rap and old school country yeah. and nothing in between. <laughs> so, <laughs> Do you get into, just to turn the page to go on to the country kick, have you heard Chris Stapleton? No. Is if that you, a new if, person? It is, but if you like old school country, you'll like him. Yeah, every once in a while, there's a new person. Yes, that pops he's up. one of them. And he, well, he just won like all of the awards for like the Grammys and everything. Right, so as what's, far his as country, what's his name? Chris Stapleton. Really right. good. Chris Stapleton. Really, really good. I'm more like um, Waylon Jennings. Okay, like, that's mm-hmm. I, I love all the uh, all the really old school uh, Conway Twitty. Mm-hmm. Like I consider that new, and that's like sixty years yeah. old. So <laughs> before I forget, though, I want to. I've had my head down like for the last two years, pretty tough as well. So, mm-hmm. Chris Stapleton. Yep. All right, I'm gonna write this down before I forget. Stapleton. I will look it up. Yeah, he's got a real old, old country sound. Really, really good. Well, there's some talent out there, like um, the Zach Brown mm-hmm. band. Yeah. Talent goes a long way. Yep. There's just for whatever reason there wasn't a lot of talent for a long time, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, well, a lot of it, like with country music, there. You know, it's a business and they've realized with like the Taylor Swifts of the world that if you can cross over into pop market as well as the country market, then you have two completely yeah. different markets you can capitalize on. I'm not hating. So, well, so a lot of the country music industry now is cross attempts at crossing over to both markets. It's smart. Yeah. It's smart. It's just money. Yeah. Most of the time, it doesn't appeal to me. Hey, it doesn't. There's not a lot of compromise well. in my music, right? <laughs> you know, it's I want it angry or yeah. or drug and drink and woman yeah. left me and do. I don't know. That just sounds good to me. Yeah, you robbed a gas station. You wrote a song. It's like that's fucking perfect. <laughs> Whether it's a rap song or an old school country song, like yeah. that's right up my alley for yeah. whatever reason. I love that stuff. <laughs> 
I see, I see that stuff. People are like, oh, Jesus, Jeremy. Like, yeah, I love that. How do you listen to that? And then hardcore <laughs> rap. Cause they're essentially the same thing. Yeah. They're like blues and you robbed a place and your wife left you and yep. you lost all your money and you just sing it about it a little bit differently. Yeah. So that appeals to me for whatever reason. I tried to get you to write a song mm-hmm. or something for this podcast. I'm going to ask you now. Yeah. Now, now you're being recorded too. <laughs> I want something like that. Now I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know when. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it costs. Right? Mm-hmm. But I've been keeping this like low resistance because I don't know what any of this is or what any of this does. But um, uh, Steve told me how to use like you just and I took pictures, so I know how to set it up. Right? But I really don't know. Like, <laughs> like I know it's got to go into the Zoom recorder and all that. Yeah. So I really don't know anything. So, yeah. but at some point, I would like to sound. I don't want to say professional because I think this sounds professional, but mm-hmm. like some music or something like that. Would you be willing to help me out, Seth? I would. Okay. And I guess I won't um, put a specific sound on it, but <laughs> yeah. Cause the, cause the hard stuff totally foreign to me. Hard stuff. Like, like the hard, like rock type thing. Cause originally you said you wanted something that was more rock driven, heavier, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. no, I think I went with um, justified. Okay. Where it was like a rap um, old school country jam uh-huh. together, uh-huh. and I really liked something. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's what I'm talking about. Well, you know, Renegade Detroit <laughs> Investors, The Edge. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want the only person to like it is me. Everybody else, is like, oh god, no, just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. Something unique. So, mm-hmm. um, what is the future? You got this, all this money that you're gonna get match, right? You're gonna mm-hmm. put together, mm-hmm. get on top of it though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. go out and get that 150 grand. Once you have all that together, what do you think the next five to 10 years is going to look like? Yeah, well, I guess our, our five-year goals is to really have at least one to two successful artists come out of our residency. Um, I feel like that will give us a lot of uh, national and international credibility uh, where people will want to take risks with us. Um, and, you know, it sh- it'll just it'll show that what we're doing is working. Because yeah. we really don't know if it's going to work. You know, it's, we're just kind of going That's with it. That's the risk, it. right? Yeah, going with it. Uh, so so our, our short-term goals in, in the next five years is to have one to two artists that are very successful, you know, that and in hopes bring up other artists as well. Like an Eminem or something like something that. Something like that, yeah. I mean, if we, if we Sell can, some shit, right? Yes, if we can ever get somebody as big as Eminem, then I'm just like, I'm retired and I'm like, cool, this is <laughs> this is the best thing ever because I was a part of this in some sort I'm of I'm writing way. music in my underwear. Yeah. You can't tell me no. <laughs> and so we want to do that. And then also at the same time, we want to continue to grow our catalog of um, Detroit artists. And we want to, you know, work with bigger agencies. Um, you know, really... Really put Detroit, we want to make Detroit a music capital like Nashville, like LA, like New York. And there's so much talent here. It literally just takes, you know, a specific culture to do it. The culture of good songwriting, which is extremely important, which is something that I personally feel um, Detroit hasn't really invested in is songs. More so just ridiculous talent and really cool production, you know, really hard things. Um, So I feel like as we invest more into the songwriting side of things, we can become a music capital, you know, of the world. I truly believe it because the amount of talent that we have. So we really want to strive to do that, which is ambitious, I know. But shit, you got to start somewhere. We got to have a I mean? dream big enough that it's worth yeah. getting out of bed. And well, I just want to make sure I barely get by. Well, that mm-hmm. doesn't fucking get you out of bed yeah. and be like, okay, I'll yeah. just do it like everybody else, which is half ass. And and you know, as long as as we're making artists money, I'm happy. You know what I mean? 
because uh, right now it's very difficult to make a living being an artist in Michigan. Uh, not even just city of Detroit and all of Michigan and the Midwest, really. Uh, if you're not in one of those major music cities, it's difficult to make a steady living doing music. So if we can build some sort of infrastructure in the next five to ten years, then we're, I'm happy. All right. So it let, good. let's assume, for argument's sake, that mm-hmm. five to ten of these artists are listening mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. What is the Seth pitch to these five to ten fucking superstars right now maybe they're maybe they're in padokin uh hodokin or whatever you yeah, know yeah. minnesota or they, they don't know they're somewhere <laughs> and they have this talent and they go you know i could go to la mm-hmm. i could go to nashville mm-hmm. what would make them say fuck it i'm coming to detroit to work with a symbol i mean it's simple detroit is one of the only places in the whole country where you can buy a church with no money from in the 1870s an old german cathedral you can literally buy that with no money. You can rent for three, $400 a month a house. Where else can you do that? And when you're growing as an artist, rather than you know being a waiter or a waitress for 40, 50 hours a week to cover your bachelor unit in Los Angeles, you can move here and not even have to work. Strictly focus on your arts and build it as you go. And there, you know, there's... So much community that is now being like built in in the city, everyone wants everyone to succeed. It's a change of culture where you know if you go back ten years in the city, it's very it was very like I'm going to advance and I'm going to outdo you. To where now the culture is kind of changing to, hey, we're all going to do this together and we're all going to make it work. So if it, any artists that are out there move to the city of Detroit because one. It's cheap as hell. You can focus on your art rather than serving someone food to pay for your rent. And two, the built-in community is just growing and it's absolutely incredible. The the type of things that are going on on the ground surface right now is incredible. So it's more like uh, it's cheap and get it on the ground floor. Totally. Yeah. If you could have gone to Nashville before Nashville was Nashville, right? you would have been huge, right? Yeah, exactly. Get to LA before exactly. LA is LA. Totally. You could be yeah, huge. Yeah, I, I truly feel, I mean, it, it's been brewing for quite quite a bit and it's the ground floor and a lot of the underground and just all the different uh, talent that I'm hearing that as it develops, I'm just like, man, you know, yeah, solid, you know, two to three years, I hear so much talent now. And I'm like, man, it's, it's going to be really big when these people finally get into their own and, you know, get the type of attention they need. And what, what kind of music is coming out? I mean, like, is it specific or is it across all it's genres? Everything. Okay. So, so right now, like in, in specifically assemble, which, um, Assemble is just one little pocket of the whole city and we're trying to unite everybody, but there's so many pockets of so much talent. But at Assemble, we try very hard to make it not genre specific. So we'll do pop projects. We have, you know, rock projects that are being done in the studio, hip hop, you know, ghetto rap, you know, anything you can think of. That's more like my style. Yeah. Gangsta ghetto rap. Oh yeah, totally. We we cover it all. Um, I like mine extra angry. Yeah. Because I mean, really, if you want it to be a capital, you got to have everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to have it all. You can't just be like, Oh, well they're really good at doing indie pop music, but I don't like any pop music. So I don't, and back to care. Christian, some R and B too. Cause that just shit just sells. Right. Yep. Yeah. I got to sell shit too. Right. Yep. yep. Doesn't matter what it is. And I like some of that too. Mm-hmm. So that's catchy stuff. Yeah. All right. So, you, hey, if you're listening, starving artists, come to Detroit and starve no more. Starve right? no more. I like your – you're right, because if you move to L.A., you are working 50, 60 hours a week yeah. just to come home well, and write it, a song. Yeah, when, yeah, whenever you're in L.A., you know, if you go out to a restaurant, ask your waiter or waitress, hey, you know, 
where are you from? Why are you here in LA? And nine times, well, nine times out of 10, they'll say, I'm either an actor or an actress and they're paying bills like that. Or they'll say, oh yeah, I'm a musician trying to make it. And it's like, man, you could be at home perfecting your craft. Yeah. You know, but you're having to work right here right now. And they didn't have options before. Nope. Now they could have an option. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great place for the arts right now. Great place. Yeah. Well, I think if you do it right, I think it'll work. Yeah. What do you, I mean, what do you think you have to do to give it the best chance of working? Have you thought about it like that? Like there's like three things I have to do or it's not going to work. Um, are you talking like as, as far as uh, like what we have vision for assembly? Yeah. Yeah. Because well, there's no way to know if it's going to work, yeah. but there's, you probably have some things like if we can't manage this, it's not going to work. Right. Well, f- like for me and uh, you know, a lot of people at assemble now, it's really cool because we exchange a lot of ideas uh, and a lot of people disagree with me when I say this, but for me, if we don't have good songwriting coming out of the city, it's never going to work. Explain that. What 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 to you is good? Because you've said it multiple times. Yeah, and I believe you. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, I don't. I don't know. So what is good songwriting? Good yeah. songwriting is taking the listener on an emotional journey, and every genre does it differently. Like you know, there, there's there is actually formulas for each genre, but it's cool to go outside of those formulas from time to time. But it's literally taking your listener on an emotional journey and focusing on the song more so than like the production side of things or the visual side of things. Cause that's the backbone is the song. If someone is not able to connect with another human being through the music, it's all for nothing. So kind of like work, 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 work. Like that's it. (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. essentially, And I'll just say it (laughs) as far as like, not an example of good songwriting. Well, like as far as like, like the, the formula for pop music, it's great. Yeah. That's one of the best songs you can write if you're doing pop music. You know, if you're doing, um, you know, hip hop, it's going to be something totally different. But, you know, as long as you're taking that listener on that journey and, and like, you know, the, the garage rock movement that happened, I guess that was just like almost one generation before mine here in the city that was actually really big with the white stripes and everything. I love it. I love garage rock music. Um, but the one thing is that Jack White wrote incredible songs. Oh, fuck yeah. That is what made Jack White, Jack White. So there, there's, there was, there was, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of garage rock bands that sounded very similar, maybe even better, you know, as far as production and instrumentation. But the one thing that stood out that was better than everyone else was that he wrote good songs. Same thing with Motown. Motown just had incredible songs that yeah. connects with people. And so if if you don't intentionally focus on that, then you're gonna miss it. It's something you have to intentionally think about. Is is this a good is this good songwriting for whatever genre I'm in? Is this good songwriting? Well, maybe this is a stupid question, but how do you write a good song then? I mean, I couldn't, <sighs> I don't think. I mean It's hard. I guess if you could teach that, you'd be well, more I mean, money. Uh, uh, yeah, well a lot of it a lot of it really is I mean, there's formulas with everything. Do you have to rob a convenience store, shoot up heroin for ten years, drink? I mean what and then jot notes as you're doing it. <laughs> Keep a very detailed yeah, journal. Yeah, keep very detailed and then read come it back. Come back a quarter century later yeah. and write some good shit, right? Totally, totally. Well, I think of all the all the people I love, mm-hmm. right? Um, Waylon Jennings, mm-hmm. one of my one of my all time favorites. Um, Johnny Cash. I mean, they did a some of my perfect examples. They yeah. did a lot of drinking, yes. drugging, and uh, and the way that they deliver that story is incredible. Yes, and that's why they're the greats. So. 
but obviously you don't have to personally experience to go out because <laughs> yeah. you know, some people skipped it, right? Yeah. So yeah, I will. I will, I wouldn't be able to do any of that. I've tried mm-hmm. to do that shit, but yeah, I was thinking about man, those guys are all messed up. Most of them are they're all dead too. Yeah. Some of them died young. Like Rough Hank, lives. Hank Williams. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Don't be. Yeah. Don't be doing all that stuff together. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is. How do you write a good song? Uh, what do you need to do to write a good song? Does it happen, or do you have to put yourself? Or, or well, I mean, honestly, for me, what I do is I set rules, and then I like to break the rules. But every time I sit down to write a song, depending on what genre I am, I follow the rules. I mean, it's, it's really as simple as that. Like, just just for example, you know, if I'm sitting down to write a pop song, if you listen to any successful pop song, there's an eight second intro. There's what's called a verse. There's something called a pre-chorus. There's your course. There's the second verse, second pre-course, course, bridge, course, outro. Okay. Every one of them, period, that are successful. And I, well, I take back the period. Every one of them, comma, there are exceptions, period. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. That's always the exception everybody goes to. Exactly. Uh, Eight-minute opera. But but every time I sit down to write a song, if it's a, if it's a pop song, I follow those rules. And then when I finish, and, and throughout the process, I'm thinking... You know, is this getting boring? Is it, will, will this take someone on a journey? Like in a pre course, the reason why people have pre courses is to build tension for a course. And the course is your release. The course is your favorite part of the song. Yeah. You know what I mean? I and like so, that. So build tension. It builds tension. And so the, the whole point of like, this is, and this is strictly pop music, it's different for every genre, but with pop music and the verses, you want to tell a story. Your pre course, you want to build tension, like, oh shit, it's coming. And in the course, you want simple and explosions this is the time this is the biggest part of the song i feel so good and then you go back into telling the story again and every genre can get broken down like that as far as the songwriting front and so if you can follow those rules while you're creating it makes things so much easier to break the rules because i love breaking the rules but when i'm sitting down to write i follow those rules period and then as i listen back to the song when i finish i'm like let's break some rules here you know let's not visit that second verse for that long. Let's not tell a story like this. Let's, you know, let's, let's fuck this up. You know what I mean? And that is something that, that I've personally been trying to, you know, drill into people's heads is follow the rules, then break the rules. Do you lock yourself in a dark closet with a bottle of whiskey like Hank Williams Jr. used to do? <laughs> I don't go that hardcore. No, not that hardcore. Um, do you write alone or, or how do you? Almost every time I write, I write with other people. Okay. Um, collaborative then. collaborative that doesn't surprise me because you want to do you want to do collaborative things yeah so. absolutely um but with that being said some of the best songs i've ever written what i think is my best songs i've ever written i've written alone uh just out of inspiration in a night maybe i don't know just randomly happened by myself but majority of the time i enjoy working with others because what's the fun in sitting in a room all alone for 12 hours a day that's true what do you think your best songs are they haven't been released yet Okay. Yeah. Soon. Soon. Hopefully. Well, any idea on the date or? Uh, I don't have an idea on the date or who's going to sing it even. Okay. Because uh, I'm I'm not. I mean, I can sing, but I'm I'm not a. I like staying in a studio with my feet up on the desk. I don't like putting my face out yeah, there. Yeah, you don't want to be out there. Yeah. doing all that. Yep. Okay. I like to stay behind the scenes. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And you do all the this shit as I'm pointing at all these knobs and <laughs> things. I don't. Right. Yep. I don't understand it. I don't know. Yep. Lots of that thing, and it's it's all magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> essentially yeah yeah my little twenty five hundred dollar setup hey it works it does what yeah. do you think of these mics huh yeah, yeah. 
So far? Yeah. Yeah. Not they look too bad. Good. I haven't heard them, but they look good. Yeah. You'll, you'll hear it. it <laughs> 350 bucks a piece, which I still is not a lot for a mic, but yeah. for this kind of operation. Mm-hmm. But I tried to do the cheaper mics and you sound like shit. Yeah. Everybody hated it. That was the feedback I got. Like, dude, love the podcast. Sound quality sucks. Yeah. Most important is your microphone. Yeah. By far most important. I tried to do it too cheap. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually started with the Zoom just with these. Oh, yeah. That was rough. Yeah. yeah that was I like the imagine. first eight. And then I went with a cheaper set than this where I got two for like 250. Mm-hmm. That was worse than going with this, believe it or not. You wouldn't think so. Right. I'm, as I'm pointing it, I'm pointing at the Zoom uh, H5. They have like two mics on the top. Sorry, I realize the podcast and you're listening. So <laughs> have you thought about um, impl- doing a podcast or implementing a podcast or something like that? You know, I personally haven't. I know that people have tossed around the idea of just kind of like doing an update on what's going on in the studio. Well, also maybe rent out some space for, for podcasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I don't know, I don't know shit about this. So please take anything I say about this with a grain of salt, right? And there's, it seems like there's a podcast for every asshole out there. That being said, I'm doing it like this because I can't find affordable studio space, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody gives a shit. They, mm-hmm. It's all geared around other things. And at some point I will want to get together a small studio. So mm-hmm. I can't be the only one mm-hmm. who would want something like that so right. i don't know i don't well, know yeah, if it's the, worth pursuing or not there is uh the, one of the artist residents uh he goes by the name of eddie logics he's a producer but i know that he does i believe a monthly podcast um out of one of the studios at assemble okay so it's 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 podcast ready um i just i haven't focused any uh I guess attention on yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, something different. Something yeah. to think about. Let me know if you decide to do all that. Mm-hmm. Also, if you wouldn't mind any of the songs you want to share, mm-hmm. send me the links to all those because okay. I'll put those. I'll put those in the show notes for sure. So, I'll do that. What do you think? Because you've been going on this process for like fifteen years now, plus time, years, right? Yeah. A long time. Long time yeah. Remember, we were starting before we started the podcast. <laughs> we were gonna we were gonna talk about if you could go back and tell yourself like. Uh-huh. If 2016 Seth went mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. to 2005 Seth or earlier, whatever, um, what do you think you would do differently? Now, I know the question is, well, I wouldn't do anything differently. I wouldn't be here, right? But you obviously could have done it smarter. I would have done a lot different. <laughs> yeah, there there's, could be there's somebody listening to this going, going, you know, oh, maybe they're right there and they're going to decide what, what to do. And... This is a time to part a little wisdom, mm-hmm. a little Seth wisdom mm-hmm. here. Well, I know I for sure wouldn't have had a lot of the haircuts that I had because <laughs> I had some crazy, like you know, I was in one of those emo bands, and I, you know, I had like the bangs going down and like spiky hair, and like, oh my god, don't do that. If you're listening, don't do it. <laughs> don't do the stupid haircut. <laughs> Stick with normal haircuts. Yeah, you're gonna regret it in ten years. They're like, I have to stand out. <laughs> I have to. Yeah, you did have some strange haircuts. <laughs> yes. You're the sure. first person I ever met, too, who wore skinny jeans. I was like, what the fuck are those? And my wife was like, oh, they're skinny jeans. I'm yeah. like, what? This what? Is, if you see I dress, I dress like a grandpa. So I'm not exactly at the leading edge of fashion here, mm-hmm. folks. That's why I also do do it a podcast, right? <laughs> I look good from, from Yeah, yeah. That's all you need is the, the – yeah, is the I got, the camera. I got a tie on. So, all right. Besides <laughs> shitty haircuts. Um, well, uh, a lot of it, you know, I, I feel like I've wasted a lot of time 
uh, wasting time, if that makes any sense. No, it makes total not, sense. Not, yeah. you know, not spending every day, you know, giving my 100% every day. Oh, God, you know, I fucking love that. Video games. I mean, I don't even own video games more because I get addicted to them. And luckily, I have enough common sense to be like, I'm not even going to own a system because I know I won't be productive with everything else in my life. But, you know, there was a, especially in my early 20s, there was a lot of time of just, you know, no direction. And so because there was no direction, I wasn't doing anything. You know what I mean? I was just kind of there coasting, hanging out with friends rather than being productive and kind of building towards my future of where I want to be. And I feel like that's something that I've learned in the last probably five to six years. And that's just changed everything in my whole life is, you know, work your hardest all day. Literally the one rule I live by, and I tell this to everyone that I talk to is if you're not working your hardest, someone else is, and that someone else is going to, you know, they're going to eat your cake. Yeah. They're going to eat your lunch. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if you're not working your hardest, someone else is. So every day go until you're, you know, until you pass out. God, what's that guy's name? He owns one of those basketball teams work every day. Like someone's working just as hard to steal it from you. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah. That's I, perfect. Something like that. He's it's one of those asshole. I, I think it's the Mavericks or whatever. Oh, but, Mark Cuban? Yeah, Mark Cuban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It. yeah thank you. Thank yeah. you for bailing me out on that. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty intense. I don't think people are trying to steal it from me, but same right. sort of thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Somebody, your cake or somebody else's cake. Totally. Man, I wasted so much fucking time. That really hits with me. I wasted so There's at least three years of waste. Yeah. Like, where would I be if I didn't waste? Kind of hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Then you have to do it. And now you're at a spot where you have to do it and you could have already have done it. Right. Man, that's good advice. What else, man? Anything else you would go back and tell a younger self to do better? Um, Really just, uh, that's really it. Really just wasting time, you know, just that's it. I mean, uh, write better songs, focus, (laughs) focus on that more so than, uh, you know, the hottest trends, uh, you know, focus on classic, timeless. Um, and, it, you know, and another thing that I really wish I had when I was younger is a, just a, a, like a broader uh, like outlook on uh, culture and society, I guess. Uh, you know, like a broader outlook on, um, you know, because this piece of art was released, this happened in this time period. And, you know, like the, the Beatles happened because of this and this was what was going on in the culture around them at the time. This is what led them to be such a big thing uh, and, and how the Beatles or how, you know, the Stones or, you know, Johnny Cash, how they impacted culture outside of music from their music, like the impact it has on people. Uh, that's something that I've really been digging into the last couple of years is the impact on culture that music has. And that it's not, you're not just writing a song that's, oh, that's a cool song, good job. But you're literally impacting the world every time you sit down and write something. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. Yeah. And if, it, I mean, if I had that outlook 10 years ago, I feel like, you know, I would have I done things a lot more different. You know what I mean? Uh, like a bigger outlook on, on life. For some reason, what was you're saying that, what was going through my head is when Johnny Cash sang the cover uh, to Nine Inch Nails Hurt. Oh, my God. He did it. He, he oh, so good. He did better than the original. So, quite oh, frankly, incredible. the original was amazing, amazing. And he but just his cover was oh, destroyed it. When you're talking oh, about that, yeah, that that's incredible. a song that changed the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you you listen to that thing, you're like, Jesus, man. Yeah, he put everything in that song, 
everything. Everything. Yeah, incredible. That's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was when you. I don't know why that went through my head when you were talking about that. But I was like, <laughs> but that, no, that's, that's so what good. I think he's talking about. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, that's so good. That's when yeah. you nail it. You're like, mm-hmm. you know what? Doesn't matter. I mean, I'm I'm sure he made a shit ton of money off that song, yeah. right? But and I'm sure Nine Inch Nails like, yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. Anybody else want to cover one of my <laughs> yeah, songs? Yeah, anyone, like, anyone, well, any takers? <laughs> <laughs> Just so happens I'm licensing. So yeah. Anything that we didn't talk about on the podcast that you want to go over now would be an opportunity. If you want to, you want to plug, I know you said, I don't know how worried you are for investors. You say you need some things, you need mm-hmm. some artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I if mean, I miss something, really now's the time for that. Any sort of information that you need on assemble sound is at assemblesound.com. Uh, there's even, you know, if you are an artist, like trying to reach out, you know, we, we do every, like once a quarter, we accept new applicants and we have like a board that kind of reviews it. Uh, and you can do that on the website as well. Um, all the contact information's there. Um, as well as we also have a, a blog, uh, on the website. It's kind of, kind of a hip hop blog, which is kind of strange, not intentionally, but that's just kind of what it's geared towards. Uh, and essentially it's just everything that's being released in the city, like no filter. If it's being released, even if we like it or don't like it, it's going on the blog. Because we just want to be a connecting point to everyone else that, hey, this is what's going on in Detroit musically. Yeah, like a family billboard Mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody comes here for all the information, right? Yep, totally. So assemblesound.com is where you can get all anything you need to know. Who would be the perfect person to, like, if they were listening to this and they went to your website and what do you think would be, I don't know what the criteria are, but who would be the perfect person? Like for investors or artists? Either or, you tell me. Uh well, investors were being super uh, like diligent and very, very picky that the investor not only just comes with cash, which is most important, but uh, also comes with you know a love for music and maybe some experience in the music industry, that kind of thing. So we can tap into your knowledge. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tap into your network. Force as well. multiplier. You're looking for force multiplier. Not totally. just money, but knowledge yes. and contacts. Yes. Okay? And even more so knowledge, more so than, than the money thing. Um, but as far as artists, you know, anyone who's, who's wanting to do this, you know, as something more than a hobby, um, you know, get in contact with that or even just as a listener, as a fan. I mean, we, we do, we do a lot of like private listening events at Assemble. I mean, we did like the Detroit Soup at Assemble. Um, it's a really cool venue space for the community, really. Uh, so it, just look on the website. We, you know, we post all the time about events that are going on. Uh, at Assemble and different shows and releases and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Okay. Well, I'll make sure to, I think this is going to be posted in two weeks or three weeks. Mm-hmm. So give me all the music links you want me to put in there. Cause people are going to be listening to this podcast. I'm like, what is he talking about these songs? And then they're going to go <laughs> listen. They go, Oh yeah, I know oh, what you're okay, talking yeah. about now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the man behind, you know, behind the curtain essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to thank my guest today, Seth Anderson, for his time. And I really appreciate it, Seth. Um, it's fun to do, fun to catch up with you. I encourage you to check out what he and his team are working on. All right. There's lots of them. First, you can send him an email, Seth at assemblesound.com. Go to the website, assemblesound.com. Easy to find. Hit him up on Twitter at assemblesound and facebook.com forward slash assemblesound. Let me congratulate you again, too. For the Motor City match, $100,000. That's Thank awesome. You. Thank you. And get busy, man. Yeah. And if you enjoy and find this podcast helpful, 
Share it with your friends. Give it a like. Um, rate it on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud, whatever app you use to listen to the podcast. Um, it really does help, and I really do appreciate it. And thank you to the six people who did go and rate it on iTunes. Um, I haven't figured out how to check it on Stitcher yet. I'll figure out all that stuff, but I know it takes time to do that stuff, and I really do appreciate it. So uh, if you have any comments or suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. You can hit me up on Twitter and Snapchat at Jeremy Burgess. And now the videos are being edited. Yay. In the next couple of weeks, they'll start going two or three, going up two or three a week. And that's youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment, you know what's coming, to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know. Lots of distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits, a lot of shit preventing you from starting or continuing your goals. Pick some goals. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you closer, even if it's one step. And I want to thank you for listening. I know you could be doing lots of other things right now, and I really do value your attention. And until I catch you on the next podcast, crush it.